Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. It's nice to have you all with us this morning. The scripture today is found in Psalm 99, 1 through 9. And it reads, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. And he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equality. You have um, executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord your God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. 
He spoke to them in the pillar of a cloud, and they kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them. And yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship his holy hill, for holy is the Lord, our God. Let us open in, in prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything that you do for us, all the things that we take advantage every day, the food that we eat, the roofs over our heads. Um, we know that you love us, and let us always remember and not take advantage of that. Think of you, and we're thinking of you today, and make sure that we think of you every day, and be grateful for what you have given us. Amen.
read Exodus 33, verses 12 through 23, and it's from the New American Standard Bible. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let them know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you also have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all other people which are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, and my face shall not be seen. May God bless his word. Um, We're going to sing a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. We're going to sing the first verse in chorus.
Thank you, songsters, and thank you um, for your testimonies this morning. It's always a blessing to hear how God is um, working in your lives. I think it's also a blessing because um, we live in an increasingly impersonal world. Uh, nowadays, you can sit in your car and order your food talking into a disembodied voice coming out of the middle of a menu. We can visit our friends and our family through our computer screen. And um, we don't even need to talk to people when we're in the same room because now we can talk with our thumbs by, by just texting each other. I understand this even happens during my sermons. I learned, I learned that this weekend I was shocked. The truth is that it is becoming increasingly possible to live life with little face-to-face contact with real human beings. In this impersonal world, I guess it's not surprising that uh, many people are depressed and lonely. They feel separated from other people, and many of them feel separated from God, quite frankly. But I think deep down inside, uh, whether they'll admit it or not, most people want to know God. They want to experience God. They want to hear from Him. They want to be loved by Him. I invite you to open your Bible to uh, Exodus chapter 33. And uh, we want to take another look this morning at the life of Moses, a man who, though he talked with God as a man talks to his friend, still yearned to know him better, still wasn't satisfied that he really knew God. As most of us um, know, Moses had been through a lot in his life. He was threatened with murder as a baby, raised in Pharaoh's palace, rejected by his own people. Forty years he spent tending flocks in the desert. He was reluctantly used of God to lead his people from bondage to freedom. And now here he was leading them through this wilderness. We may be tempted to think that this Moses was some kind of a superhuman, but he was no different than you or me. And though he knew God very well, he wanted to know him better, more intimately. He, in fact, asked God if he could see his face. As we join Moses this morning, he has just recently received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And then, as he went down to present them to the people, he finds the people worshiping the golden calf that they had, um, they had made. And he realized that leading this nation was more than he could handle. One of the many times Moses was pretty much fed up and realized he couldn't handle this task. He knew that without God's presence, they were all doomed. A nation of slaves wandering in the wilderness and surrounded by hostile people. So, in the midst of these troubling times, Moses and God have the following conversation. Uh, please follow along in Exodus 33, starting with the 12th verse. Then Moses said to the Lord, 
See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourselves have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. I don't know about you, but I find it amazing that with um, all the interaction that Moses had with God, he still felt like he knew so very little about the Lord. Though Moses had delivered the Ten Commandments, God's perfect law, it would seem that he still felt that he didn't really know God's ways. Moses instinctively knew that God was much more than a code of ethics or a deity to fear. And Moses, facing the prospect of of leading this stubborn people to the promised land, knew that he needed more than a superficial relationship with God. He needed God's presence. Let's continue on in verse 15. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Moses is convinced that the secret of their success would lie in the fact that God was with them. The only thing that really separated the sons of Israel from the rest of the world was God's presence. But Moses wasn't satisfied yet. He has another request to make. I think a very surprising and amazing request in verse 18. Then Moses said, I pray you, Show me your glory. Now, obviously, Moses knew that God wasn't some physical being or just an object to be worshipped like the gods of Egypt. God was far more, in fact, than the human mind could comprehend. And it is a troubling human tendency, however, to want to reduce God to something that, that we can get our hands around, that we can get our mind around, that uh, makes sense to us. But there's a danger in trying to make God too familiar because in our quest to know God, we're often guilty of creating something that is far less than the God of the Bible. We create a God that fits our lifestyle, that, that fits our wants and our desires and doesn't ask us to do things we don't like and never asks us to do things we don't understand or that would take us out of our comfort zone. In our zeal to know God, we can turn him into an idol. Um, You may say the Pharisees, in their zeal to know God and to follow the law, turned 
um, God into more of an idol, into a, a concept instead of into a, a being who, who he is, into something manageable, something that um, you can uh, make a checklist, something that you can, you can more easily follow. Some of us do the same thing today, don't we? We regulate God to an hour or so on Sunday, or it's less than an hour I hear if my wife preaches. But Moses knew that God would never accept this. Moses wanted to know God more intimately, so he asks to see his glory, his power, his majesty, his awesome splendor, not just some great act, but God in all of his holiness. The pillar of fire and the smoke of Sinai weren't enough. The ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, though impressive, didn't satisfy Moses' hunger to know God. He wanted to see God's glorious presence up close and personal. In verse 19, God responds. And he, that's being God, said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. God is a holy and a perfect God. His holiness are and and perfection are such that no human being can stand in God's presence and live. I mean, just God's holiness and righteousness would immediately demand judgment on our sin, and we would perish. It would be like a scientist, an astronomer who studies the sun, traveling in a spacecraft to uh, get a close-up look at the sun, close and personal, to stare into its its brightness. Yet, if he tried to do that, he would be immediately blinded and then consumed by its intense heat and radiation. It would be too magnificent, too powerful to be experienced by a human being. So it is with God, but a million times more so. Moses cannot see the glory of God in all its fullness. No one can. But here's what God does offer. He says that Moses could see his goodness, his compassion, his grace. Isn't that how we see God? We see God in the loving things he does for us, in his daily provision of simple things, even like food and water, the air that we breathe. in the world that he has created to meet our needs and especially in his provision of Jesus Christ we see God's goodness and if we're willing to look we can see God in all of the good things that he does so here's the arrangement that God made with Moses verse 21 then the Lord said behold there is a place by me And you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then 
I will make, take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So here is God's grace. He provides a place for Moses to stand, and then he provides Moses protection from God's all-consuming purity and holiness by covering him with his hand as he passes by. If God does not cover sinful man with something, then his holiness will judge and destroy us. Let me ask you this morning, with what does he cover you today? With what does God cover you today? Isn't it with the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ? Isn't it with his nail-pierced hands that he covers our sin and allows us to have a relationship with God? After God passes by, Moses, it says, is allowed to see God's back. Well, since we know God isn't a, a material being, exactly what is it to see God's back? Well, let me suggest to you this morning that God can often best be seen in the things that he has done. It may be minutes, it may be hours, days, weeks, even years later that we realize that that was God passing us by. That was God acting in our lives and we didn't see him, but later we realize as he's passing by that that was God. When we see God's goodness as expressed by the things he does in us and around us, it's like seeing his back. Some of your testimonies this morning were testimonies about seeing God's back. When you were going through it, you didn't see God. Matter of fact, you thought he had left you alone. But now you look back and you realize that was God. He was, he was with me through all of this. It's like, the, um, it's like the poem, Footprints in the Sand. You know that poem where the writer complains that when he needed God most, there was only one set of footprints in the sand, meaning that God left him. He was alone. Only later, as that poem ends, does he realize that those footprints were, in fact, God's footprints as he carried him. We often see God's back as we realize what God that it was God who was present when we needed him most, and yet we failed to see him at the time. You know, there's enough in today's passage to keep us busy for days and weeks. I had a terrible time trying to cut stuff out because um, there's just so much wonderful stuff in this story of God and Moses. But there are three truths that I want to um, pull out of the account today, and, and I just want to restate them here. First, God's presence among us is a witness to the world. God's presence among us as a church, God's presence in your own life is the most powerful witness we have and you have to the world. Moses knew that. It's not that um, we ourselves are anything and it's not that Moses was anything. He went to great efforts to tell God how incapable he was. In fact, we're really no different than any other human being, are we? It's God that makes the difference. Don't ever get that mixed up. It's God 
who makes the difference. The Salvation Army, while a, a great organization that has probably done more for humanity than most, is nothing without God's presence. The same is true for you personally. Without God's presence in your life, you are nothing. You're a vapor. You're a flower that fades here today and gone tomorrow. God is our strength. And his presence is our most powerful witness to the world. Second, while we can't see God, we can see his goodness. It's there if you choose to see it. The ultimate example of God's goodness is Jesus Christ, who came to cover our sins with his own blood. God has poured out that blessing on us and, and many other blessings. If we want to show God to the world, let's show them his goodness in the things that we do. This is the mission of the Salvation Army. And finally, realize that we often see God best after he has already passed by. Like our brother's testimony. You don't think God's been there, been active, but, but then later on you see how God was there all along, taking care of us, putting us in just the right place, blessing us. We see him in the things he has done. And we often recognize his hand only with the perspective of years. Another testimony about listening to our, um, our uh, uh, more seasoned adults. Because they have the wisdom of years to look back and to see God's hand where maybe all we see is problems and trouble. Um, some of the saints among us can look back and, and encourage us that God is still in control. And when we, when we do, it's like turning and seeing God's back as, um, as he moves away from having blessed us. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, when God seems distant, know that he is, in fact, busy working in this world, busy working in your life, if you will only recognize him. And then in recognizing him, if you'll only cooperate with what he's trying to do. Moses, though he was closer to God than perhaps any man since Adam, still hungered for more of him. How about you? Are you hungering for more of God? God told Moses that his presence would be a witness to a hostile world. And though he could not see him, he could experience God's goodness in the things that he did. I hope this morning that you will covet God's presence more than, than anything else, that you'll learn to see him in the things that he does around you and in you. Do you want to experience more of God? Do you want to see him more clearly? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. His presence can be seen in what he does in his goodness, in his provision. Yes, we need God's presence because without his presence among us, we have no effective witness, we have no power. So 
This morning I ask you, do you know God's presence? Do you see his hand in the things that have happened in your life? Are you trusting him even when you can't see him? Or perhaps is God calling you to leave your life of wandering in the wilderness of disbelief and disobedience to enter the promised land of trust and provision? One day, Scripture promises, we will each see God face to face. The veil will be pulled back. His hand that has shielded us from judgment will be removed and we will see him as he is. What a glorious day that will be. There's a chorus that says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Amen. But until that day, until that day comes, we have to put our trust in Christ, don't we? In that day, will your sins be covered by the blood of Christ so that you can be ushered into his eternal kingdom? Or will you be cast from his presence because your sins weren't covered? This morning, if you need to come to Christ for refuge, to find a place in the cleft of the rock, that he could cover you, then I invite you to do so. And if you need to learn to trust him more, to trust him better, then I invite you to learn to see him in the good things that he does. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your provision that, Lord, even when we are complaining about what we don't have and all the things that are going wrong, that even in that moment you are there meeting our needs, giving us breath, giving us life, and blessing us in ways we can't even imagine. Lord, we're so hungry to chase after an experience. Lord, we want to, um, we want to feel you. We want to, um, to know you. And yet, Lord, um, so often we miss you because you're right here among us, within us, doing your work. Lord, help us to have eyes that see you, that see you in the events of our lives that see you uh, at work even in the difficult times and Lord if there's anyone here this morning who is not covered by the blood of Christ Lord I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would stir in those hearts and minds that Lord you would would call those folks to a a commitment to you, a belief in you, a faith in you. Might that, um, might that begin today? And Lord, if we're taking you for granted or we're doubting your presence, then God, uh, minister to us as well. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have made provision for us and that you have sent your Son to die for our sins and to be raised to new life that we too might have the hope and the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Bless us now, and uh, God, in the closing minutes of this meeting, speak to us and direct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we thank you for...
this place that we can come and worship you. Uh, we thank you for your presence and for your glory. And we hope, dear Lord, that you will find favor in what we do and what we say. When we think of God, uh, not seeing him face to face, but uh, his back, it's not that he's turning his back on us, but he is leading us and he wants to lead us to his glory. Now may you uh, be with us during the week and bring us back safely so we may worship you again on next Sunday. So we ask these things in the most precious name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.